Welcome to this very special episode of Demol Belgium Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Holmstone, and joining me as always is the Canadian who is taking sole responsibility for us calling Jill Papaver and anything else he dislikes that we do, Logan Saunders. Good morning. And I'm very pleased to say that joining us for the second time, the first person ever to actually join us twice, is best friend of the podcast, Jill DaCosta. Hi, guys. Hi. Do we need to get the Papa Bear elephant in the room out of the way first? <laughs> I thought I mailed you once that I didn't like the nickname, but who am I? Yeah, but it, you know, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. You can nickma- nickname me all you want. It's okay. Yeah, I emailed you at the end of uh, at the end of the Greece season, just going, "Thanks for another great season. It was really fun." And you just sent me an email back saying, "Yeah, thanks for your nice words. Stop calling me Papa Bear, though, please." You know, I can live with it. It's okay. No word of a lie. Our podcast group chat on Facebook is actually called the uh, Papa Bear Gilles de Costa Appreciation Society, which is cool. Yeah, I mean, genuinely, if I'm sort of taking the piss with my dad and I send him "Thanks, Papa" or whatever on uh, on text, it does try and automatically come up with Papa Bear, which is a little bit strange, but it, <laughs> it makes me laugh every single time. By the way, am I uh, genuinely the only person to ever join you twice on the podcast? Because you need to look for better company if it is. You genuinely are. Logan realized this about five minutes ago, but I, I worked it out a couple of weeks ago. You are the only person ever to join us twice. Well, it's nice to be back. It's nice to be back. Thanks for having me. And it's nice for you to be back, because I don't think we make any secret of the fact that we do love your show, and we do love you as a person. So it's it's just nice to catch up again after three years. It's nice to hear. I mean, I'm, I'm still amazed by the fact that, you know, English-speaking people watch our show and, and even podcast about it and uh, um, share theories all over the internet. This is still very absurd to me as a, as a Dutch-speaking host of a very small reality show that's, that only is airing in Belgium. The fact that it, this is international makes me proud. So thanks, thanks to you and, and, and anyone else involved in making this or in, in watching the show. Well, you're very welcome. The honour is ours, to be honest, because... I mean, I said this to Logan earlier, the questions that we had in for you this time vastly outnumbered last time. The feedback that we actually had with stuff like our first suspicions list was vastly larger than it has been in previous years. It actually seems to be on an upward trajectory still. That is amazing because we have a very, uh, or or at least uh, I think it is, it's a growing uh, viewership in the Netherlands as well. There is no language barrier there, so they can they can uh, follow it more easily. But even then, that makes the show even bigger than it has ever been, and that's that's it's still uh, incomprehensible to us because it is quintessentially Flemish what we do, uh, and quintessentially Belgian our jokes and the way we tell stories and the way the, the character of, of our 10 uh, players are. This is so Belgian that we are amazed that uh, people outside of our borders still love to watch it. We've learned so much from it. We we, we never heard of Willie Summers before, and now he gets referenced <laughs> on the podcast every couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's, he's huge. He's, he's really huge in Belgium. He's really, I mean, this is, the uh, in Flemish-speaking Belgium, he is absolutely huge. So I'm very happy to, you know, further his career in the UK and in Canada. It makes me laugh every single time I think of that Willie Summers episode last year and Logan's growing obsession with Willie Summers. It makes me laugh every single time he gets mentioned. I understand. He stopped responding to all of my obsessive direct messages on Instagram. <laughs> you probably shouldn't have asked for a lock of his hair. That was the, the step too far, Logan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, most direct messages Willie Summers will receive will be from 50-ish uh, ladies living in Belgium. So, you, I mean, yeah, you, you should stand out, Logan, but I, would, I, would, I wouldn't do it anymore because, you know, I think he's had his fair share of stalkers. So if you don't want a restraining order, quit it. 
Yeah, I don't want to get in, reported to Interpol. <laughs> so how have the, the past sort of year and a half been? Because obviously Belgium was very, very badly affected with COVID. And it's, it's getting better, at least. It is, it is finally getting better. We're no longer the worst hit country in the world, which is kind of new to us because, like you say, for a, for a year we were uh, at the bottom of every, of every possible list. But people started to get vaccinated. Uh, not me yet. I'm I'm too young, which is also a new feeling for me. Uh, but I'm not ready to be vaccinated, so I, I'm gonna have to wait a couple of weeks, maybe a month. I don't know. But uh, things are slowly returning to normal. We're allowed to have dinner in restaurants outside for the moment, so that makes life much more bearable. But otherwise, I, I think it has been the same as in Canada and UK: total boredom and people staying in. So yeah, everyone's year 2020, 2021 should have been reasonably the same, I think. Well, by the time that this episode actually comes out, Logan will be vaccinated at least once. Oh, cool. And also in the too young bracket, unlike Logan. Yeah, five days away. Canada loves hoarding all of the vaccine doses. (laughs) Well, good for you, good for you. (laughs) Yeah, I won't have told this story in the podcast yet, but um, one of my friends was below the age bracket, but sent me a message on Saturday saying um, that he'd just got vaccinated locally. And I went on a a mad mission on Saturday to try and get my first dose. No, but you should be, I mean, the UK is like some, with Israel, I think world leader in, in the speed in which, at which people are getting jabbed. So I think you shouldn't be waiting too much anymore, no? Hopefully it's, um, it's becoming an absolute burden not being able to travel. I'm desperate to travel anywhere right now. I can relate. I haven't traveled um, since Germany, actually. So, uh, and and it, it, I miss it greatly. Yeah, it it was actually worse watching the finale last week, knowing that we should have been in Antwerp at that point. Just going, oh, I really wish we could be by now. I'm just desperately missing everything to do with travel. Probably next year, we'll have a, a regular season uh, with a regular uh, season finale in, 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 the, in the cinema complex here in Antwerp with loads of people. I hope so. And loads of hugs and kisses. I really hope so. But I think probably it's going to be all right next year. Hopefully. I mean, you might not have to invite Willie Summers just in case Logan can fly over, just to be safe. Just to be on the safe side of things, we won't. Or at least make sure Logan has to still do social distancing from Willie Summers. Two metres plus, at least. Or the general Belgian population, I guess. (laughs) On the subject of a regular season, have you got a location in mind next year? Obviously, I'm not going to ask you to say what it is, but have you got a location that you want to go to? Well, I have uh, loads of locations I want to go to, but not much of them are really suitable or or uh, available as uh, shooting locations for for, the, for our show because although sometimes it's too far away, sometimes it's too expensive, sometimes the weather isn't good, blah blah blah. But as for next season, we have uh, selected a location already, so things are well underway. Yeah, is it the one that was changed from this year or not? It is not. No, it's a different one. We'll keep the uh, the the one that we had to cancel maybe for a later season because um, I mean we 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 took some of the uh, the games that we were planning on playing there uh, to Germany so uh, it, it would be too similar I think and this is why we chose a different location COVID of course being the other main reason uh, we have to be able to shoot and to travel and uh, so it's still a little bit of a long shot but we're confident. Are there a lot of contingency plans in case COVID does impact things for shooting next season? 
they are being set up, I'm told, but right now I'm still a little bit at the tail end of this season, so I haven't worked too much on the next. Uh, but yeah, of course, I mean, they were in place this year as well, but the contingency was it would have stopped. So if one of the contestants would have uh, tested positive during the shooting period, then, then we wouldn't have a show. That's pretty much the, the contingency. You're at the mercy of a virus, which I hope we're learning to control right now, but you're still at the mercy of it. And if there's a big outbreak, uh, it might very well affect the shooting. But um, let's cross fingers, that doesn't happen. Would that be the same for if the mole got medivaxed then? Probably, yeah, yeah. But but any any player, uh, yeah, sure. That that's um, I mean, if, if if you really have a medical emergency with a, with a regular player, it's possible that we would have let him go or her. I don't know. It, it's never happened, so um, uh, I, I prefer not to think about those scenarios. But in the event, uh, yeah, I mean, it, this is a, this is a risk we could not take in the midst of the second wave that was hitting Europe uh, by full force, uh, or just at the start of it. If we would have had a positive case, it was over. Game over. Simple as that. Yeah, because I think that there is a rumour that's come out in the past year that the Dutch version did have to swap moles mid-season. What? In one of their very early seasons. Oh, and okay. I think it was about episode four, someone got medivaced, and then um, there's a rumour that that person was actually the mole that's sort of come out in the past year. I mean, you would have a hell of a last episode then to, to explain that. So, so it, it, um, it seems barely doable to, to change moles in the middle of a season. The mole is Lionel Messi. You don't, you do not take him off the pitch or her. You don't know who Messi is, do you, Michael? I do know. I, I know <laughs> football. I just don't care for football necessarily. Despite you know living within about ten miles of Old Trafford. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. There's Lionel Messi, Maradona, and that's about the extent of my knowledge. <laughs> Good. I'd probably be in the bubble rather than be the one answering those trivia questions about the different soccer games. <laughs> I understand, yeah. <laughs> From our point of view, this was a very interesting season because it's the first one where we've really honed in on the mole very quickly. And yet the contestants didn't. Did you actually expect Leonard to go so unsuspected by everyone for so long? The way he played the game, no, never, because he was brutal, he was cheeky, he was gutsy. Um, he was very outspoken uh, in the group, so we uh, actually uh, actually thought of you know scenarios where where maybe as soon as episode two people would get onto him. It didn't happen, and it shook us like every every elimination again. We were looking at it and and seeing no one even remotely thinking of Leonard, which was of course it's a great scenario to play with because it gives you a whole other layer in the last in the finale. Because if they really don't know who it is, that's a very different ball game than than for instance last year with Bart and Yolene really knowing that Alina is the mole. This is something completely different in their minds and to be able to send two people in the final you know knowing that they've pretty much stumbled into it that does something with the, their self-confidence and the third one had to play the the, the the shaken up player leonard which he did brilliantly by the way so he had to uh to be as non-confident as the uh, as the other two so to us it was a dream and of course to viewers it's it's very different because some people zone in on 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 a mole very early on because he has a mole salamander that acts a lot of things or because he 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 looks carefully or, or he does something very innocent and people take it as a hint and then they're right and then 
they call it too easy. But, you know, most people zone in on a mole by chance or um, they have luck on their side that their theory is correct. But there's always nine other theories that can be correct uh, early on in the game. Um, so w- what made you guys zone in on him? Well, I, I know you don't alternate the gender of moles and stuff, but I'd felt like we were due a male mole anyway, just from the fact that the previous two had been female. And I, f- I just had a gut feeling about Leonard. I don't know what it was. I just had a gut feeling that that he would be the sort of person that you would pick. Well, you prove my point exactly because the gender we could we could pretty easily make fifteen more seasons with all female moles. We wouldn't think twice about it. Really, we wouldn't because every year it gets stronger and 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 the, the you know the chance get slimmer that it's going to be a female again. But that's something we for us to play with. So that's the first and second. It's a hunch. And which is cool, of course, because but hunches can be wrong. I mean, of course they can be wrong, and they usually are. But it's fun when they're right. Yeah. So, so you know, the viewer experience is in is you know you're sat very comfortably before your TV or your computer, and and you're able to share theories with others. Um, the players in the game don't really have that chance. They don't see everything, and they sure as hell cannot uh, talk to each other about suspicions. I mean, they can, but it would be dumb. I don't know what it was. I just had a, a gut feeling that it was him. But I have such vivid memories of the press room in the Vietnam finale where I was so, so wrong on Elizabeth. And I just had you howling in my ear from right behind me when yeah. when I shouted, fuck, that I was wrong. That sounds like me. I was fully expecting, as with every season, to go into the finale just going, I have no idea who it is and I am so wrong that it was a real surprise when it was actually Leonard this time. Well, it's nice to be right, no? It very, very rarely happens that I am on the right mole. But am I wrong in saying that it doesn't really matter all that much? It's fun to watch, and whether you're right or not, to me, in my experience as a viewer 20 years ago, it didn't really matter. I I loved watching the show and and watching people do stupid things, basically. I've said this many times. I actually prefer it if I go into the finale not knowing, because then I'm pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Yeah. There's like an equal emotional investment to that reveal. Either you're going to be really excited that you got it right, or you're going to be pissed off and slamming your fist on the table that you got it wrong the whole time. <laughs> yeah, but you're still you're still a little bit amused at being pissed off because you know we got the better review throughout editing or throughout whatever. It's it's part of the fun game. It's part of the the the, the fun everyone's having making the show, but watching it as well. I think eight hours of podcasting, we still couldn't figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that is usually how it ends up working for me, at least, isn't it? But it goes without saying that the reveals are so beautifully done. And I know I've said this to you before, but they are wonderful every single season. Thank you. Um, It's something we think about very, very extensively. What I I think about this series is um, the cinematography of it is what pleases me most. It is beautiful to watch. There is the, the upside-down drones. There is a very uh, own um, TV language that we have chosen for this show, and we've maintained it throughout. And, and the, the, the reveal of the mole is, is like the culminating point of this. Um, but we, we, this is, to me, what's, what I loved about this show. Everything looked wonderful, and it's very beautifully edited. And, and I mean... The praise for that should not go to me, but to the editors and, and, and our director. 
I mean, I saw the director a couple of weeks before we were left for shooting. He had, I think, 2,000 movie fragments, uh, little bits that he had watched to say, um, maybe with this uh, game I want to do that. Maybe with this game I want to do this. This music should should be played there. He had it all in his head, and we we hadn't started shooting yet. So this, I mean, this man is a genius, and I think he really shown it this uh, this year. Yeah, it's odd for us because obviously last last year we went back and actually covered Argentina and South Africa. So in the past three years, we have seen all six of these seasons. And I'm mainly thinking with the reveals like the South Africa one, where it was just in the middle of the national park in Pilanesburg. That was just beautifully shot. Yeah. And it's sort of nuts for us to watch and just go, how are they actually going to top this every single year? Well, it, it, this is, I mean, I'm glad you raised that point because I always say we're not looking to, to top ourselves, to surpass ourselves. We're, we're looking at, you know, maintaining uh, our self-imposed quality level and, and, you know, to jump over that bar every year. That's what we want to do. We don't want to make it crazier or bigger or bolder because, I mean, that has a ceiling. Inevitably, you're going to hit that ceiling and you're going to come crashing down. And I don't want to do that to this show. So uh, it, it's, it should be different every year. So it's in a game reserve. This year it, it was in a theater where David Bowie wrote an album, which in itself was amazing to us. Uh, last year it was just on a boat. It can be very simple. The, the, the dramatics of the moment more than make up for it. Do past seasons actually affect your thinking going into a new season? So things like it was established in South Africa that you can't go home without a red screen when Hans is brought back. But then Jens does. Does, does that sort of play into it? And you thinking? No, but that's. I mean, it's a minor detail, but of course, we are huge nerds, so we know perfectly well what we said in in uh, in South Africa. The thing is, with the rain, we were so delayed that we didn't have time to install the elimination screens. Point. Ah. That's it. Period. So he would have seen the red screen, but and we we simply did not have the time. You see the cars leaving the cornfield; it's dark. I mean, normally we should have. I mean, the idea was to arrive in Germany when uh, evening fell so that tells you and it was a three-hour drive so that tells you the delay we were working on so yeah we think about all these things and, and Jens's exit for one it was such a tough decision to make but it was the only way the opening which we thought of with two moles would work it's the only way it's heartbreaking for him but that is of course the nature of this game it's a heartbreaking game sometimes but you know rest sure we spent countless 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 hours discussing it yeah, at length. Because it was our first thought when we saw that twist was, is Jens coming back? Because he never saw a red screen. Yeah, no, I understand. Uh, 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 you know, lots of people thought that he was coming back, but, you know, it, it was bad luck. It absolutely was bad luck. Five questions. I think a lot of them had one out of five and he was just the slowest. And, and that's bad luck. Um, but yeah, we felt bad as well. But there was no other way this could work, uh, this, this opening sequence. Is it also now Belgian law that any guy in his 20s called Martijn who's cast narrowly misses out on becoming the mole? <laughs> yeah, that's actually quite... I, I didn't even think of that. Because, you know, we were, just, we were still reeling from the shock that both moles were born on the same day in the same year. We discovered it well uh, after shooting when, when we looked at the both their, their files and I thought, you know, some, someone has made, made a mistake. This is a mix-up. It, it cannot be that the Two guys we selected to be potential moles turned out to be born on the exact same day. What are the odds? I don't know, but I'm going to play the lottery, I'm sure. 
So that was just serendipity then? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Did they also each have half a medallion that when put together makes a full medallion? <laughs> <laughs> we should have thought of some, you know, Harry Potter reference or anything, but uh, I felt for Martin as well, because of course, for him as well, it, it very short-lived adventure. He knew from the start, of course, he hadn't made the final cut, so this for him was an extra chance. In a way, he had all to play for. You know, the day could only have a neutral uh, or a good outcome if he were to become the mole. But to Leonard, of course, it was radically different. He had made the 10 contestants. He had something to lose. And Martin knew that from, from, you know, from the get-go. He was playing for a, a spot which was tough to attain, but he, he left the field with as much as he came with no real place on the team and, and uh, but he you know it, it was heartbreaking for him as well because this meant he, he he has watched the whole series knowing what was going to happen knowing who the mole was uh knowing and seeing all he you know he missed out on yeah was there any consideration to not revealing him at the reunion and potentially using him in a future season no because uh too much people had seen him you know other attackers people from our crew um this was his, his only chance, which, may, of course, makes it heartbreaking again. Plus, I think you need some closure. You need to reveal the the attacking mole, because it's such a, a game-changer in the beginning in the series that we cannot, you know, uh, be silent about it when we end things. No, you have to tell it how it happened and how they met that night in the corn. If we kept him a faceless entity, I think you would have been disappointed, and rightly so. Yeah, that was my sort of impression of it last week when we were discussing it in our recap. I thought you kind of had to reveal him regardless of the fact that we'd never seen him before. You kind of had to give us that closure because I don't think it I don't think the twist would have landed as well had he still stayed as a, a faceless intruder and then potentially come back next season. That is spot on. Of course the, the reveal in itself is is like meh because you don't know this guy so it doesn't really matter all that much but it's he's an essential part of this story he's, he's as essential as Leonard is because we spent as much time with him beforehand as we did with Leonard is it the same for the other attackers are they eligible to come back or not I'm not sure because first they would have to uh, you know to uh, apply again like everyone else um but you have to know that the 10 contestants as well, they form a group. That This is a very balanced mix of people. Whereas the 10 attackers were just 10 people we were fond of, but there was not really a mix of people. So it, maybe we could think of you know taking one, one guy or one girl uh, with us next year, but it's not on the priority list. Plus, I think everyone should get a new chance to, to participate in this adventure. So uh, they had their chance um, and even though they remain faceless other people are still going to recognize them so i don't i'm not sure it might be but i don't really see it right now it became a very fun game for us when we were watching the previous seasons to try and spot people who were on future ones bruno from greece is the main one because he's in the uh, in the vietnam finale montage yeah of course because bruno is, is he's a great guy he just didn't fit in that vietnam mix that we made that year Plus, we had another Bruno who maybe fit better in that group. But we knew back then, okay, Bruno might be a, a good, suitable candidate to take with us in a further uh, uh, or in the next series, which eventually happened. That sometimes happens, but, you know, you, you always have to ask them to apply again, which some of them don't. Um, they, they, I mean, these things happen, of course. To, to us, it's important everyone should have the chance of 
uh, applying and participating. It's a game for everyone, not just for people who uh, who have applied before. How many people do you anticipate applying for the next season? I'm a little bit afraid of that. Uh, we. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Based on what happened all... last year? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, everything crashed last year because there was a limit. So that was a little bit of our own fault, of course, because everyone wanted to uh, to go online at once and at the same time. So this is happening much more at much more sedate pace. Uh, they're trickling in, uh, but it's, it's already an impressive number. Uh, I've heard it two days ago, so it's probably obsolete again. I'm not going to tell you, but it's it's a lot again. It's it's really, really, there's a lot of people wanting to uh, to become my best friend, which I'll take as a compliment. <laughs> I mean, I would, I would definitely take it as a compliment, the fact that more people every single season are trying to apply. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a testament to the growing success of the game, so who am I to complain? On the two Bruno subjects, uh, Carl wanted to know whether you would ever consider having two people with the same first name on a season and what you would do in that case they would have to be very special i think they would have to be uh both essential uh because we would have to be very very much in love with them in order to take two brunos in one season it's it's a little bit you know it might be fun to work with it i can see a lot of jokes and a lot of mix-up happening and i'm all maybe i'm already liking it more than i did 10 seconds ago but i'm i'm not seeing it happening no unless they're very special yeah because I, I think that's only ever happened in one mole which was the uk mole that logan got cancelled which had two people with the same name two chris's but i don't think it's happened anywhere else how did that go was it fun to watch uh, i don't think it was too confusing because i think they just ended up saying chris r and chris h or whatever if that's the solution, then I don't want to do it. It has to be funny. Uh, you have to. We'd have to find nicknames. Was it always intended that episode one would be a non-elimination? No, it wasn't deliberate. Um, but we were happy it happened because you know you lost Jens already, and losing a second contestants would have, would have been very dark for uh, for an opening uh, episode. So we were happy it happened. Uh, most names were not that difficult to find i will add so uh we thought most of them would be found and then dami was not even the easiest one to find i think i think kevin was easier to find uh leonard was easier to find so no we didn't really plan anything there it, it, but we were happy there was that feel good moment on which to end the uh the show before crushing their souls by saying that no it could still be the mole yeah but I mean, by then, they should have figured that out already because, you know, we, we never are we going to send in a uh, player who cannot beat them all. So I'm, I'm still surprised they were surprised. It did make some very funny reactions, though, the fact that none of them had worked it out. Yeah, absolutely. Would only one person have gone home in the bunker if, if that had actually been an elimination? That's right, yeah. Which would have made that game a little less edgy, I think, because... Uh, or. Maybe they would have considered the 5,000 euros or 3,000 euros more. I don't know. Uh, I was happy it was double because that makes the pushing of that red button. You kind of condemn the other team to, you know, be, be slaughtered. And, um, well, they still did not hesitate. But, uh, but it, it would have been that. It would have had that outcome. Just one player eliminated at the end of uh, episode two. So going back to something you, you said earlier, John Dolan says... There's a passionate following outside of Belgium, including among those unfamiliar with Flemish culture or language. 
Do you have any thoughts or advice about how we can be supportive, appreciative viewers of the mole without burdening or distracting or detracting from a show that has, at its core, such a rare and beautifully Belgian spirit to it? Wow, this is, uh, first and foremost, it's an absolute compliment. I, I would say, uh, evangelize it. You know, spread the word that there's a great show in a little town called Belgium in which you absolutely will have a laugh, but you will be entertained and you will be mystified by things happening and and. There is no way, uh, I mean, I, I'm getting a lot of praise for this uh, for this series and I, I don't deserve half of it because my team has really uh, lifted it up to, to, to the level it, it has reached. But I always uh, send praise to them and I always will forward everything I get to them. So the uh, best thing I can think of is, you know, spread word and, and you know, make more people enjoy it. That would be the, the nicest thing you can do to us. I mean, it, it's rightly deserved that your entire crew gets gets so much praise from from our point of view. It's no secret the fact we we adore the show, and I think that's a, a sentiment that is shared by an increasing amount of people every season. Yeah, and and we're we're so incredibly thankful for that. So we're thankful to and grateful to anyone who spreads that word by you know podcasting uh, about it or hosting web space about it or just tweeting about the show making memes i don't care anything that has to do with the adventure that is the mole is is welcome to us because it means that it makes a difference and this show is something people look forward to for uh, 43 weeks in a year and and this makes us very very lucky to be making the show and to be maintaining its standards and you should know we're very grateful and this is why it's so important to us to reach out to the community as well online or, or uh, on podcasts or wherever it is or, or with the finale to be able to talk to people because this show has a, a fan base and, and it is very exceptional in TV uh, land that you have people so involved with the show who really want to, you know, who really love the show and, and, and give, give a lot of feedback. It's, it's, it's quite unique and we're, we're absolutely aware of that. It really came across when we were at the Vietnam finale, I have to say. Obviously, it's our, our sort of main experience with this, but every single person we came into contact with seemed very appreciative of of us enjoying the show, and that was that was lovely to see because a lot of the the shows in the US and the UK, especially, are a little bit vicious when it comes to fan bases. Things like Big Brother. I mean, American Big Brother fans love to get people fired for things that they say on live feeds, and I would never imagine that that would happen in in the mole communities. It it always seems a very warm and friendly community it is but but i think yeah but i think both the, the shows are not really comparable i mean I, i'm not a big fan of big brother i, I don't like I, I don't really like it because i don't think it always respects the people uh appearing on it and and this is probably the main focus of uh, myself and my colleagues is to respect any player that we select and you know making them come out beautifully because they're beautiful people uh, so that's a whole different approach, and I think um, probably it's it's a different fan base as well. I mean, there will be some overlap, but it's uh, I think it's quite different actually. If Isidore was on Big Brother, there would be a campaign for Isidore to get fired. Maybe the only comparable thing there is sort of massive fan bases that are sort of very passionate about the show. I mean, the the show's a night and day. You know, you're right. The show's a night and day, but you know, the the people are so invested in it. As a viewer, which is, of course, it's 
you know, in, in, in 2021, it's important that your TV show is not just that hour uh, on TV or anywhere else on demand uh, in which people watch it maybe with half an eye while doing other stuff. If you get people to get invested and to really love the story you're telling, it's much more interesting, you know, to, to maintain it and to sustain it uh, because it's a very expensive show. So, but all of that aside, to us, it's it's, it's like it's gratitude uh, versus the people that watch it and 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 love it and give us feedback uh, and um, and love it as much as we do, which is important. Yeah, I think that really comes across how much you guys enjoy making the show. Yeah, yeah, it's it's my it's the coolest job I can think of. On the subject of Lena pushing things, was there ever a point where you thought he was pushing things a bit too far? Is he the closest to to a mole pushing it a bit too far, would you say? Um, you know, uh, with hindsight, no. But I remember a couple of times uh, in Germany where I was thinking, this guy is really, really bold. But he got away with it. I mean, he... He could only be so bold because he knew that everyone would forgive him. He could have said to the others, I'm the mole, you know, just write my name in the test tonight and you'll you'll see that you get a green screen. He could have worn a t-shirt saying, I'm the mole. He could have, I don't know, put a, a, some money on fire in front of the group. They still would have looked the other way. So he could get away from pretty much everything, and, and which made his moves a lot less bold when you know that. But it's still take some serious balls to do what he did. Is there anything you've taken away from seeing Leonard's behave as the mole that you're going to take into briefing moles in future seasons? No, because he did it in the Leonardist way possible. This is, is, it was as close to him as you could ever get. He's the guy that, you know, if he eats a banana, he will drop it on the ground afterwards in the hopes that someone will fall over. Or this is, this is who Leonard is. He's just that fun guy uh, who everyone loves and and uh, the way he played this adventure out is is very related to who he is and how he comes across in a group. So that would probably be untrue for the next mole because this person would have to do it otherwise because just they're different persons. Would he have been allowed to go above ten thousand euros for that bid for the exemption? I mean, we uh, didn't even know that he was going to go that high. So no one in their right mind would have thought that. You know, he would have gotten away with 10k, except Bart. <laughs> probably, probably Bart was a little bit disappointed, and that it, it wasn't 10,200 because that's the exact amount he took out of the book. I mean, it it would be Bart, yeah, to think that. But um, no, no, the the original idea was that if he were to make a bid, it would be a lot less. But you know, these things depend, of course, on how much you're being suspected in the group, and. Um, uh, of course, if, if no one looks your way, then you're pretty much free to do as you like. But, I, I mean, this was a kind of a turning point in the season because loads of people really don't like the idea of the mole um, emptying the, group pot, the, the pot like that. But first of all, and you know, as we explained, Leonard had been preparing this all along, all the season. He was always being the good guy throughout the series, always making you know uh, choices for money, never for personal benefits, being the good guy playing the mortally wounded team player whenever someone else shows an exemption or, or a personal benefit. And, and he maintained that throughout the series. Then he asked to go first in that diary room, very specifically to not look into the dossiers and, you know, giving all other players a chance to block any sabotaging because if no one looks, then the mole is pretty much powerless. 
Uh, and I, I think if this was a normal series, um, chances were that at least some of the others would have been onto him already by episode six. And they could have kept their hands out of the dossiers as well to block the mole and to win money, which to me would have been an equally good uh, story arc. But it didn't happen. And we haven't told Leonard who looked into the dossiers uh, because we wanted, you know, if you were if you were to make a bid, we wanted to make it as level playing field as possible. And this is the important part. You know, he had exactly the same chances as any other candidate at that point. So we didn't tell him to make a specific bid. But, you know, we would have thought if he were, it would be somewhere around 5K. And then he sits there and he doubles it. And But, but you know, precisely because no one was onto him, he doubles it like almost a red arrow pointed at him, shouting, guys, look at me. And then two seconds after he d- does that, he predicts, they will congratulate me with it. They will, they will, they will grant me the 10k. They won't, they won't think twice about it. And not 11 seconds later in the show, you see Yasmin doing exactly that, congratulating uh, him because he had been playing that good guy all along, while I might say still sabotaging an awful lot. So if you think of it, it's actually incredibly, incredibly gutsy. And in the end, he played like a regular player. He had no info. He made a move. And he got away with it brilliantly. No different than Bart did last year, which everyone seems to accept. But why should the Mo be allowed to do the same as a candidate? Especially when he's totally unsuspected by the others and, and you know raising the stakes like he did. So to me, it's a brilliant sabotaging move, but one we were very... Um, well, our heart rate went up. I'll, I'll give you that. That evening in Berlin, our, our heart rates went up, but... If you think about it, it's absolutely brilliant. Did you split the ten grand between the, between you guys after the ten grand was taken out of the pots? Like, oh, well, little bonus for us for good work. No, but we did get a bottle of wine from management actually, uh, um, <laughs> uh, like yesterday uh, from Bremer Kalmont, so the the Riesling uh, we visited. Uh, because uh, and in a, in a very uh, funny note, they thanked us for the low uh, pots uh, this year. But uh, more as a joke than anything else. No, we didn't see any of that money. Maybe I should have asked for it, yeah. (laughs) I must admit, I am on the side of I don't particularly like the mole just being able to completely and utterly raid the pot. But I will say, Leonard's actions justified it, I think. It's acceptable for me because he did so much groundwork in, in the rest of the season to make it actually a palatable move for him as both player and a mole. Yes, and other players were not powerless i mean take last year um in episode six there are i think at that point two people onto the mole at that point they can say okay we don't look into these dossiers can, then the mole cannot do so because it, it would be too obvious you can block a person and I'm, I'm i agree with you i'm not a fan of a mole raining a pot absolutely not but when he justifies it when he prepares it when he gives them the chance you know to block him and when he predicts that he will get away with it because he is so brilliantly um, bold and gutsy, then it's okay. I wouldn't have liked it last year if uh, Bart turned out to be the mole. Then, you know, no one stands a chance because it's it's everyone bits, but you don't have to do anything for it. In this instance, there was a lot of preparing and, and people were in principle able to cross him. They didn't and he uh, he made his move. Would people have been allowed to view their own video? No, 
that was one of the uh, off-screen rules, of course, because then you just, you know, you bet the whole group boat, yeah, and then you get the money. No, that's uh, that wasn't a part of that game. Uh, it would have been a brilliant uh, player move, but you would be the least suspected player in ball history after it, I think. And uh, it was very much uh, Eastern Germany themed, and I don't think they would have given you that option in Eastern Germany. It would have been a great sort of player sabotage, though, to just block them all that way. Absolutely. I love when players uh, sabotage them all like uh, Baja did in uh, Mexico to Peter. Uh, so I understand the. It, it's great to see, but in this case, that wasn't the object of the game, of course, and it would have been a, a too easy a way of, uh, of, of blocking them all. Do you think Leonard would have had a tougher time with being hidden as the mole if, say, you had Baja and Lloyd swapped for Philip and Sven this season? I don't know because you know it. It that doesn't say much about Baja Lloyd or or Sven or Philip. Every season is so different. Every group of players is so different. Um, there is no point in comparing it. It could very well have been that Baja would have been out in episode one in Mexico. It could well have been that um, Kevin and Dami were our two finalists. A lot rests on on coincidence, uh, and and it doesn't mean that Philip and Sven are are clumsier or or. Uh, that uh, Baha and Lloyd are smarter because they're not. They're just different people, and and sometimes you have to have a bit of luck. And Leonard sensed this very very early on in the game. He knew in this group of people he had a chance to play the clown and and the the nice guy, and he knew exactly where to strike and where to withhold. And he did that so brilliantly. I think he would have probably in any other year with the same contestants might be maybe in another country that some some people would have gotten on to him it's possible but it's also possible that he would have been dropped into mexico uh squad and rode it out gloriously until the end with no one suspecting him anything's possible in these games you you cannot you know you cannot predict it does anyone ask leonard if and a lot to go swim at final four instead of philip well no um because they're on the wrong mole, but it's a shock ending, uh, which we don't really like. There are certain rules to that effect, so if it ever happens, we're prepared for it. But in my view, I prefer it if a mole you know, gets a mast at the end of it, because that's what you're working uh, to. Um, but in this case, we knew we, didn't, we weren't going to need it, because um, after Philip got executed, Sven pretty much said, it cannot be Analot, and it has to be Leonard. I don't believe it, but I'm going to fill out the test uh, with Leonard in mind. So we knew someone was at least bound to a master mole at the very last uh, moment. We know from previous seasons that you'd love to try out the challenges. Was there anything you tried out in Germany that then didn't make the end of reunion montage? No, because COVID restricted that pretty much. Uh, I would have liked to uh, fly the plane just to see how hard it was to, uh, to sabotage or to change course. I would have loved to play bubble football. Uh, which I could have done, but we had uh, we had to move on from Munich to uh, to uh, Fronten that day, so there was no time for that. I, I think those are the two I would I would have liked to play. Yeah. How long can you hold your breath? Did you try that one? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's nowhere near two minutes thirty nine. That is the sort of thing that at least if it was Argentina, they would turn around and make you practice. I think, in the same way that you hung off the bridge in the Ardennes. They hung me off a bridge and then uh, and then dropped me into a very cold October Belgian uh, water. I don't recall the, the river, but it was cold. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure they would have liked it, but um, 
uh, no, we, we often, you know, we didn't have the time and the the possibility with COVID and distancing and, and um, all the all the cleaning you have to do between shots, it, it just wasn't feasible. It's a shame, really, because uh, it's always the, the highlight of the end of the reunion montage for us, I think, is, is seeing what on earth they've actually made you do this season. Well, I love Corona for it, for not having to, to you know, to dangle off a bridge this year. It's a breath of fresh air. Just don't say the word, uh. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have done that. I, think, I understand Sven very well. I, I think I would have been very, very afraid because I don't trust uh, ropes or, or bungees. You know, I, I would jump off a plane with a, a, a chute. No worries. I mean, worries, but I would eventually do it. But um, ropes, I don't trust them. So I, I, I understand Sven uh, in this instance. Yeah, Logan keeps talking about doing the um, the bridge jump in uh, in Greece when the world opens up again. You know, first of all, you should go to Greece. It is, I think, it's open for business. So if you're allowed to travel, it's probably at this moment until we visit a better country, but the most beautiful country I've seen in Europe, uh, uh, with with friendly people and amazing food, and and it's not too expensive to to. Uh, to travel around so do it and then absolutely go to Corinth canal there's a the, the, the benji company is based there so uh, you can do it pretty much every day and it's just it's these these amazing surroundings and the, the glorious sunshine we missed that a little bit this year to be honest in, the, in germany the sunshine wasn't really part of our uh, daily routine ironically um before covid hit and logan and i were talking about going to the the finale last year we were going to go to greece straight afterwards oh and then we found out you were going to Greece, and it's like, that's a weird coincidence. Well, do it. As soon as you're allowed to, really, you will not be disappointed. Greece is an absolute fabulous country. Yeah, And an odd twist, too. Actually, when we got the email to come to the finale in Vietnam, I was in Greece at the time. Oh, so you know it. Yeah, I went to Athens and Thessaloniki. But we never made it out to the Corinth Canal, though. Okay, Thessaloniki is where Cathy uh, uh, lives from the Argentina season. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, move on from Willie Summers, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> After this podcast, do not go and camp out in Kathy's bushes. No, I've I, I've seen Argentina enough to know how that would probably end. <laughs> she would shoot you right out of the bushes. I think of everyone you've ever had on this show, Kathy probably scares me the most. Well, it, it, she's one of the nicest people we've had on on six series of the mall. She's absolutely fantastic, and she plays the game in a very determined way but that just makes it all the more uh, cool to me and and she's actually really one of the nicest uh, people you can talk to so there's no need to be scared of but i'm not going to send a uh, weird canadian into her garden so please logan stand aside <laughs> i think it's just that she's a little bit intense at times i think i wouldn't want to cross her no but that's a great that's a, just a great way to play a game i mean she won the game by doing it like that so uh, kudos to her we had a question from um, from HP12324 on Reddit saying, has there been any hints in the six seasons that you think in hindsight might have been a bit too obvious? Uh, yeah, probably in South Africa, where you could read Elin is the mole in Dutch in the uh, the giant word puzzle, letter puzzle that, that is included in, I think, the second episode. This was spotted then by some people, but it weirdly got drowned into other theories. And so it didn't really uh, affect anyone's uh, minds until after the reunion episode. Uh, but no, I don't think I mean, this year it was a little bit of a risk to uh, wander with Leonard uh, before the cameras of the real existing show Hedersbeelde. It was a little bit of a risk to include a 20 kilohertz 
audio signal for dogs, but it was so much fun that we we couldn't we couldn't resist the temptation of doing it. It was probably the most uh, the riskiest one was uh, flying over Mol, which is a little town in Belgium and which is really easily recognizable on that Google Maps uh, footage they fly over. And when I see how much every frame is turned around and held against sunlight just to to look for 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 clues, and it amazes me that this specific one hasn't been found. It's so frustrating for me because one of the major clues of the French mole season was a very similar one in that the mole's introduction was in in front of a uh, a mountain called Mole, and it it's like how did I not spot this at the time? Yeah, but but it, I've said this before. I'm not a huge huge fan of these uh, these hints because they're part of the game, but we can only go so far because otherwise people will would would find us out and and then the you know no one's having any fun anymore so uh it all it always has to be a little bit twisted and 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 and, and this is of course the limits of that system to us it's never a priority uh the the hint if we find if we think of a good idea we'll do it in a in a in a flash in a heartbeat but but it's very difficult and we prefer to throw away bad ideas uh, than trying to implement them and you know reveal them all to everyone before uh, the finale. Every single time I watch the reunion, there is at least one clue where I go, oh, how did I not spot that? Oh, that is such a cool clue. And the one for me this time was definitely the signal for dogs. I'm like, yeah. how did nobody spot this? This is brilliant. Well, you should have a dog, of course, but but uh, the dog, it, it would have to be with you in the room. It would have to, you ha- would you have to watch the episodes and you would have to, you know, maybe he barks at a car passing in the street, so it, it, it could have been anything for people to really notice that was uh, pointed at the screen. Uh, and I think I think that's that's nice. I mean, that's the great thing about this. The dog wouldn't, would, would notice before you in the season in which we have a dog in the cast. It's, uh, it made me laugh when we thought about it, and um, I'm very glad that we did it. So technically, Isidore was onto the mole before Analata and Sven were. Way ahead of everyone else. <laughs> so when did you decide to go all in on having Isidore in the cast? And what would have happened if nobody adopted Isidore at the at the end of the season? Well, there was a very specific plan because um, you have to be very, very careful when, when handling animals, of course, uh, but in TV especially because people... I mean, it's it's weird. Uh, if if you tell an audience that 50 people have drowned in the Mediterranean trying to find a better life, they won't mind. And, and but if if a dog breaks a paw somewhere on TV, they're on the streets marching with torches like the Simpsons. So you have to be very very careful. <laughs> it's a weird thing. So we um, the idea for Isidore was uh, when it became clear that we would be uh, visiting the uh, the Olympic Park in Munich. It's an amazing city, uh, and and it's a great location. Knowing what took place there, and knowing that Bayern München played there, uh, to us it was great to be there. And then we saw that Waldi, uh, which was a dachshund or a tackle, was the mascot of the '72 Olympics. And um, it's just a funny dog, you know. It's it's like the sausage with four um, paws, uh, a tackle. And then we thought, why not, you know, introducing a dog to to for to care for to uh, to walk to feed to uh, to play with um, and then and then we we thought it was a good idea we 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 thought very well about the feasibility of it would that dog be traumatized by being on this show but you know it was surrounded by so much love he came from a very good kennel where where they know what they're doing and um, he was uh, 
you know, I think he was leaving uh, with one of our producers for like two months before departure, and that would have been his definitive home uh, should none of the candidates have uh, wanted to adopt him. So we had a plan all along, and um, I'm actually really glad that we had him. Just, you know, think day two that he's introduced in the domino room, he already has his moment of glory by by switch by flipping the dominoes with Semina, which made us howl with laughter. So um, it was it was fun to do. I mean, we're not going to do it every year, but it was fun. I'm assuming that Leonard had strict rules of how he could discourage Izzy from pressing the button. Yeah, it's uh, he he was incredibly gentle with that dog, as was everyone. Um, but I don't think they were very very uh, tenacious in teaching uh, Izzy to push the button. They didn't really do it. So Leonard, he didn't have to do much to dissuade the dog from doing it. A couple of times he said, no, don't touch the red button. But I think he did it a couple of times because it was clear that the dog, they weren't training him very well, which of course was their fault. Uh, so he didn't really have to uh, to do that. Were you the one that came in in the middle of the night to take Izzy away for the final challenge when they show the footage? No. No, that, no, 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 no. This was uh, filmed by one of our female uh, uh, crews who actually slept with Annalotta in that uh, in that room. So it was uh, it was okay. There were no uh, Me Too rules that were uh, uh, broken, or uh, it was all done very quickly in a flash. And uh, it was just you know to have the dog with us. Bob Viverman on uh, on Twitter wanted to know on the subject of Izzy, was it a deliberate choice to introduce him on the episode that would air on the feast day of Saint Isidore, or was it just a happy coincidence? This is one of these crazy coincidences. Uh, we saw it, but you know, it, 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 he was introduced there because we were in Munich at that point in the game. It's as simple as that. Because Waldi was the the mascot, and then it was World Animal Day uh, as well, which we which we told in the uh, in the episode. So um, no, the, the, this is one of the many many weird coincidences that amaze us every year, time and again. It was something I didn't realise until about 20 minutes before we started recording when, when Bob sent me that message and I went, really? And then I looked it up and uh, yeah, it was it's St. Isidore's uh, feast day on uh, the 4th of April. Yeah, no, this has nothing to do with it, no, no. Because at that point we didn't even know when we would air exactly. I mean, these things are never discussed with us uh, that long beforehand. Was there a plan this year to do a Diary of the Mole segment or two? Uh, we, we, we had them, but there was no real reason to do it. You know, in Vietnam, it was introduced to uh, to capture the arc of the mole who didn't know she was going to be the mole uh, until the first episode. And this is a very, very interesting process to follow. So that's why we, we created back then. And with Alina last year, she had a couple of moments that were worth telling, you know, as well. This year, we could have done it once or twice, but um, it wasn't necessary. And our uh, episodes are still getting... Uh, long enough, so uh, it's uh, one of the things we didn't uh, deem uh, necessary. So, if the creative need was there, it would potentially come back. Probably, yeah. Because, but one of the things you cannot tell there is uh, everyone. No one's onto me because that would make uh, viewers able to, you know, make a puzzle. And so, uh, the other, you know, no, no, not really. I mean, you could have. Uh, you cannot tell the ten thousand euro sabotage as well because that would be pointing to Leonard to the viewers. So there was not really anything to work with. But of course, just the same as every mole, Leonard confided in us uh, in the evening. Sometimes felt lonely, uh, sometimes boasted a little bit that he felt so good and that he was having the time of his life. Uh, but these things, you know, in in fine, they were not really interesting enough to put into uh, into the mole diary. There were other other storylines that were much more interesting throughout the episodes. 
HB12324 wanted to know as well, uh, in the Belgian version, Passfragen can't be saved and have to be played at the next execution. What's the decision process behind that? I don't really like uh, the idea of being able to, to use them whenever you want, because to me, it, it has to have an immediate effect. If you have a Passfrage or, or an exemption, then they're effective immediately and you cannot save them up for later because then someone who would uh, reach episode 6 could potentially save it up for episode 7 and then have a straight ticket to the last one. This is not the way the mode is played. To us, it's immediate unless there's a game depending on it when people can take him away or swap them, uh, which we've done a couple of times uh, in the past. But, you know, these, these personal benefits, they're... There's a little of a problem there because sometimes they're, uh, you know, they are disruptive by nature. They can they can motivate the player to make choices that lose money. But I think in a way they have become too alluring. The choice is no longer difficult to throw away thousands of euros in order to save yourself. So we're thinking of ways to counter that. And I think uh, a pass frag or an exemption that you could swap or save would further render them disruptive and would make a decision easier to throw away a lot of money and i think we've hit some kind of ceiling with that so we're uh, we're thinking about that was there a concern after this season that there were maybe a few too many exemptions in play because there were more than normal there were a little more than normal if you think of the first two episodes as exemptions then they were of course the one in the castle is not really an exemption but because it could well well have played out that that no one got exempted so that's that's one that luck and and fate uh decided on of course the bunker is you know it, it is a prisoner's dilemma and yes of course you you give five people an exemption some mass exemption if you think of it in that way we didn't present it in that way so as to not create a feeling that it's at, at every street corners there were exemptions to be won and to be had but probably there were more than the last year and uh, there will never be more than this because i think it has hit the ceiling and and um but we have some ideas uh on how to counter that for next season it was leonard leonard was exempt three times this season michael yeah leonard hit all three of them yeah <laughs> he gets <laughs> he was only technically vulnerable at what four tests was it even if he wasn't mole well the first in the first uh episode it's not really an exemption for him because um he never would have had uh, a, a red screen and uh, but okay if you if you look at it as an exemption okay the second one very surely is one because you and your group are true to the next episode and then the last one was a very expensive one yeah do you think Leonard would have taken so many risks if people were on to him I mean I don't know because you, you never know how it would have played out but the guy he is cheeky by nature that's who he is. So he would still have made an M out of his fingers whenever uh, no one was watching but a camera. That's just who he is. But it would have been impossible for him to take 10,000 euros out of the pot. That's what he says himself. Uh, he, he could only do that because no one suspected him. Uh, so it, of course it would have been more difficult, but the fact that he'd remain undetected, I, I mean, it's by his doing. It's so, so he deserved that. Were you surprised by how much the group seemed to be willing to throw away as much money as they did for Passfragen or, or exemptions this season? There is an evolution in that. And, and it is inevitable, I guess, when you're doing lots of seasons of a reality TV show. I mean, if you recall the, the chain uh, game in uh, Argentina, in which they were all chained in, into some kind of warehouse, 
and, and the, the alternative was uh, the luxury presidential suite in the Sheraton. No one slept there. No one took that exemption. I'm not sure that would happen again this year because there is just that evolution and things like the game with the exemptions this year or the one with Bart last year, they make that ceiling go higher time and time again. And people, they come to play the mall not really for the money, but to stay in as long as possible because it's the experience of a lifetime. So it, it gets easier every year for them to, uh, to make that decision. Uh, so we were not surprised, but we are really thinking of putting a stop to it because it should always be about, you know, people playing a game with positive motivations, the urge to win money, to block the mold, to make things work. And that balance might be a little off uh, and will surely be totally off if we don't, uh, if we're not uh, watchful. Yeah, Bart ruined everything. <laughs> no, he didn't ruin anything. It was bound to happen sooner or later. It was it's just him. He took that role to... Uh, to uh, smash that, that boundary in that ceiling last year, but it would have happened inevitably, I'm sure. Chang Yang's a very interesting example you bring it up because I think it is worldwide the most played mole challenge now. Yeah, but it's brilliant. It's a brilliant challenge. It is a brilliant challenge. I mean, the French version did it in Kruger National Park with lions circling, for example. Uh. But it's really interesting seeing the logic that contestants and production crews use for Chang Yang because. Every single one is different. I know we, we had a brief discussion about German Mall last year, but Germany used a very similar setup to yours, and yet someone did take the exemption in that case, even having to stay actually in a worse place than you left them in. Well, that's what I mean. I think it's not the same as in 2015 when we shot Argentina. It's it's just not the same. That That's normal, I think. And um, it, in this way, we have to challenge ourselves and rethink these kind of challenges to make them interesting again or to make these decisions harder again but that's a great we love to do that we love to think about things like that we have a couple of ideas to to start of next season uh, which all already make my mouth water because i know we're going to to see and do great things again that's just the beauty of this game you need to to reinvent it constantly without reinventing it was that chain challenge shot in la plata in argentina no it was salta i think yeah salta in the north uh, west of the country La Plata is uh, is near Buenos Aires. It's where he, uh, we did the horse challenge. Yeah, because I, I stayed, I was in La Plata for a week. Uh, three, yeah, I went there three years ago where I was there for a week. Oh, cool. No, that one was in Salta. Was there any consideration to doing anything in addition with Martin during the season? Or was he just burned straight away in your mind? I mean, he was burned. Again, this this is a man who, who just didn't make the selection we were going to leave for Germany with and he was handed a unique chance to uh, get there and to to uh, earn his place and but if that failed of course we couldn't make him do anything else because he had played his role in that first fateful day uh, so no I don't think there were any plans that went beyond that Nick Gates from Bothers Bar wants to know was karaoke in the back of a van something that existed before the show or was it something you made <laughs> It, I mean, it's possible that it exists somewhere, but it is the archetypical uh, element that gets invented in our weird crew. Because carpool and karaoke, if you combine the words, I mean, it springs to mind. Why hasn't anyone else thought of this? Of course, we're going to build a pool in a car and they're going to have to sing. You know, a lot of people ask, uh, ask us what drugs we are on. We're not, actually. Believe it or not, we're not. But we just, we, you know, it's, there's so much fun in that. Um, 
the humor of it is, is springs to mind directly. And, and we knew as soon as anyone uttered these words that we were going to do this because it's just plain funny. Yeah, I remember seeing that reveal of the van coming along and just going, this is such a Demol Belgi idea. Like no one else could get away with putting them in paddling pools in the back of a van and driving them around a course. It is ridiculous. And, you know, despite appearances, this is a show that does not take itself too seriously. I mean, we have a very different uh, theme when we are, uh, for instance, airing the finale. It's very serious and it's very, it's, it's a huge uh, ball of emotions, but actually no one involved takes him or herself seriously. And it's the way to watch it. Be, you know you're going to have a laugh and you know you're, you're being led on a, on a journey uh, in which you will have to find and unmask a mole. But more importantly, you're watching a travel program and a human interest program and, and a game show and so much more things. So I, I don't like show that they themselves seriously. And I think that there are a couple of foreign moles, uh, like I think the mole Germany, which I didn't like because it was all so serious. And no, it's not serious. It's a game and you have to, it's that, you should have a laugh watching it. It's so important to us. Getting onto a rant about German mole, I do a lot. They also did an elimination twist every single week. So we had the Ruth elimination twist. We had Yoka on the run. We had two red screens where two people had to do a sudden death quiz in the next episode to survive, one of whom was the mole. Yeah. We had a takeoff of the Bertrand elimination at Final Four. It just became exhausting. Yeah, it's exhausting. Sometimes you just want to end an episode um, with beautiful footage of the, the, the departed, and then that's it. And, you know, and, and look forward to next week. It doesn't have to, to have a game uh, every time. But, you know, those are choices the crews make, and who am I to condemn them? It's just not the choices we would make. I mean, you, you say the finales are always kind of big balls of emotion, but then I think back to the Vietnam finale, which had Axel on a massage table doing karaoke. There is still the room for humour. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I meant, I meant the actual finale where, with the test and the reveal, but you're right. No, absolutely, humor should always be the integral part of the show. I mean, this it was true this time as well with their uh, yoga uh, retreat moment. You know, it, it's it's good to inject a little bit, a little dose of fun before the big moment everyone's waiting for. Do other TV programs inspire you for those sort of challenges? No, not really, but I'm not the one uh, thinking and dreaming up all these challenges, so I would have to ask them. But, you know, we watch and we see a lot, but ideas can come from uh, locations, can come from history uh, of the place, can come from cultural differences, can come from shows we have watched or, or some weird things. Um, I remember someone saying, we all laugh at the Japanese with the crazy game shows. We try to explain this and then a picture of Sven and his chicken in the last episode. And it's true. I mean, if you show this in Japan, people will say, crazy Belgians, what is this? So uh, we watch a lot, but most of it gets changed and, and, and thrown away uh, immediately. And then sometimes an idea hits the spot and then we, uh, we work on that. Is SpongeBob SquarePants and Sex in the City amongst the shows that you watch? <laughs> uh, no, neither of those, actually. No, The other two I did watch, uh, Game of Shows and then a Thailand, which is a Belgian show everyone loved here. But no, no, SpongeBob is way after my time, and uh, Sex in the City is, well, not something I've caught on when it was uh, airing live. But it did make for some really funny questions and, and funny moments in that episode. Which, by the way, is my favorite challenge this year, I think. That afternoon, we've done a lot of Katrine binge watching, and the others 
um, you know, roaming through uh, the Bavarian Isles. That was it's a glorious day and a glorious uh, uh, challenge uh, in the episode. Were there any challenges that fell flat for you this season? Well, it was always a risk to uh, to do a hypnosis challenge because it could go either way. But there's the you know there's always an explanation thanks to that. So that's a very difficult one because you don't have that in in your hands. You know, this guy is a regular. I mean, he's he's legit. He does shows. He, he knows what he's doing. This is a kind of mind game that is really it's possible. So we we didn't really were the masters of that, but it's okay. It turned out okay. Not the best challenge, but not the worst either. And then there was another one that, you know, didn't make the show because it fell uh, in the water after the video clip with Takeo Ishii. We should have had a glorious game in the sunset, high in the Alps, with those six bubbles containing their uh, visitors. And it was to be a, a game beautifully, visually beautifully presented. And then, and then different conversations with their loved ones. But it, uh, it was a very stormy night again. And way too cold and too dangerous and too windy to uh, to shoot up in the uh, in the at heights. So uh, we had to uh, to go back to the hotel and find another place and just you know just make a, a human interest moment out of it. Just a reality moment in which all all contestants uh, saw the loved ones again. It's a pity, but of course, if if I hadn't told you, you would never have known that we missed the challenge there. These things happen, you know. It's it's uh, it's such a crazy adventure. It's always a roller coaster and. and Almost nothing goes to plan, so uh, we would just have to adapt. I think Sven is still traumatized. <laughs> yeah. I know you said at the start of the season that it was a conscious effort to try and not really allude to the fact that it was filmed during COVID times as much as you could. And I have to say, I think you, you definitely succeeded. We, I think we said this last week that I, I don't think you could actually tell, with the exception of like Lena and Sven going shopping for a suit wearing masks i don't think you could tell that it was actually filmed during the corona times i think there is that moment there's another moment in which philip goes to a bakery and then probably some some you know b-roll in cities where you see people walking by with face masks but it was our really our priority not to write covid into this series and of course in belgium i don't know how it is in the uk or in uh, in canada but when we say bubbles it in belgium it's meant to um designate a group of people you can have close contact with yep same here okay yeah so um and, and, and which which inspired the bubble football idea but much more than that we wouldn't we didn't want the virus to uh to overshadow the series because it overshadows everything else and this was to be some yeah maybe some sort of escapism i don't know um and i'm very very glad we managed i must say this watching this season has been a wonderful escape from the from the pandemic <laughs> it came at it came at a very very good time well that's a brilliant compliment logan thank you was it a conscious effort to make this season more lighthearted as a result of the the pandemic or was that just something that came naturally with germany as a location well of course some some cliches are very lighthearted by the nature of them like the dindles and the, and the, the bavarian customs we we wrote into that song but, you know, the lightheartedness to me is always a very, very important element of Animal series. And I think you'll find it in Animal series because we, the crew, are lighthearted and we, we, we are like that. And the way you see this show, it's who we are. It's, it's our sense of humor. So, no, it was not a conscious effort. But um, I think having a Sven up until the finale with his very dry, sarcastic comments, I mean, this is dream. The, the guy who on Alexanderplatz said the Germans started the war... Uh, with a straight face 
and this makes it lighthearted. And and I mean, this is why I love this show so much. This is why um, I don't ever want to do it with uh, famous people because you lose that 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 humor, a lot of humor if you if you do that. I think it's no surprise to say that Sven was our favorite person this season. How could he not be? Yeah. At one point, we were keeping a running tally of things that Sven either hated or was allergic to. <laughs> yeah, but you know, he—he was he, coming across as very gruff, but actually, this guy is is such a sweet person. And I mean, the dog thing is real, I think, but his cuddles and all, all the other stuff is just—it's yeah, it's a little bit of an act. And um, he—he he had the time of his life, and he's so grateful to us. And but we—we're very grateful to to him. But he's—he's he's a real sweet, very very funny man. And if you're ever in Belgium, you should go look up his uh, his uh, bar because um, I'm told his croque-monsieurs are fantastic. I haven't been able to uh, to go and see him, but I will in a very short while. And um, now it's just these guys are what makes them all fantastic. Yasmin, just the same. I loved Yasmin for the way she played it, for the way she she never took herself seriously. Of course, our winner. And Lotte, who was absolutely fabulous throughout the series and very, very genuine in every reaction she gave us. Philip, who was so funny to watch, uh, so clumsy, but so self-deprecating. I mean, this is a quality I love in people. So, um, you know, any any one of these 10, uh, 11, I should say, uh, I loved from the start. And, and they have been the right choice all along. They've shown that for nine episodes. I think the Sven being allergic to dogs thing really paid off with him being the one person who could make Izzy press the button last week. But, you know, why would you send Sven to do that? Exactly. And a lot at that time was suspecting Sven. So this is doubly weird. Why don't you do it yourself? So it's, it's all those weird decisions. And then, of course, Sven, who hesitates. And this is not even conscious molding. It is really hesitating because he doesn't, he doesn't know if he's going to have to you know, sneeze or I don't know what, but it's so funny to watch. In the end, we all, we just had to watch to see him enter a set and, and we were laughing because he's such a funny guy. They'd have to earn 1,700 euros instead of 1,900 on that challenge because 200 would have had to be spent on an EpiPen for Sven from an allergic reaction. <laughs> I would not be surprised if, if we had let it go that far. I mean, this would have been entirely possible. Is there anything you'd change about any of the previous six seasons if you could this this came from brandon so you can't blame me for this question no it's it's great it's a great question but it's um i should do some you know self-introspection i don't know i don't think so um it went the way it went and we learned from every series and and i think we made every, every series just a little bit prettier than the last one the thing is i'm most glad about is that we have set ourselves a very very high uh quality bar with Argentina, and we have never been willing to uh, uh, to not to not reach that, uh, and it means working sometimes for 22 hours uh, in a straight line. We had one one uh, shooting day of 26 hours this year. Um, yeah, the one with the wine and then the bunker challenge. Um, but you know, it it needs to be done to uh, to make this show as cool as it as it is, and uh, we will never compromise on that. And changing anything. No, I don't think so. Probably some of my clothes in earlier seasons, which look ridiculous uh, now, and and probably I'm going to say hairstyles in a couple of years as well, or maybe now I will. Uh, but other than that, no, not a thing. I'm I'm proud of every one of these seasons. Speaking of ridiculous visuals, can't help but conjure the image of Salim being dressed up as a 90 year old uh, oh, yeah. Greek Greek Olympian. Yeah. 
who we nicknamed Malice. <laughs> yeah, but you know, everyone remembers that. It's a silly way of of playing a trick on the uh, the candidates, and and I think uh, I don't remember exactly the way we told it. I don't think you, as a viewer, were aware of it. You had to discover it at the same moment. But you knew Salem was going to do something uh, because he had had that message uh, in the previous episode. But these kind of little details, uh, whenever it's ridiculous, we're happy. And sometimes, you know, if you think of it, 10 people sat together with one and a laptop showing a rather a green screen, it is ridiculous as well. I mean, it's not much to look at, but, you know, it's the mole. So you get away with it because it's either a very funny moment, either a very tense moment. I have to say I was listening to my liked songs on Spotify a few days ago and the music that you play during the test scenes came up and it terrified me in my headphones. The final test or the, the regular test? Because that's Ennio Morricone. Yeah, it was that one. It was the Ennio Morricone one. And it just, it terrifies me even in my headphones. I'm like, I get on edge as soon as, it's like I'm watching the program. <laughs> Absolutely. And music is so, so, so important. And we, I mean, we all have private playlists on Spotify in which we save every song we think might one day be appropriate for a scene. Uh, and we all do that in the crew. And But of course, these are great times to do that because Spotify, everything is at your fingertips. So it's much easier than 10 years ago. But um, it's it's fantastic. Uh, and I love it as well. My liked songs, they're all movie scores and and TV series, and, and it makes a great scene fantastic. You first uh, have to have a great scene, but if you find the right music for it, then it, it gets really, really, really great. Yeah, on the music subject, I just think back to the sneaky clue in Vietnam with Elizabeth singing Ready or Not at the end of the first episode, and the reveal of that and me just going, oh my god, how have they snuck this past me? That was amazing. But, you know, if you don't know that, then, then there's no way of being sure it's Elizabeth, but it's it's one of the funnier ones we did. I, I, I mean, uh, plus she's a very very good singer. The worst thing about that is the fact that I remember at the time trying to find that copy of Ready or Not on Spotify, and then obviously not being able to find it as a result. Oh, you you shazammed it and he didn't find it. Yeah, I didn't find it. I'm like, mm, there's something up here. Why can't I find this version? And then never twigged. Yeah, but you know, Shazam Shazam always gives us that. I always think, ah, oh, probably too much background noise or not a good enough connection, and then I tend to forget about it. So we were hoping a lot of people would blame it on Shazam, yeah. Yeah, I definitely did at the time. Which is even more frustrating in hindsight that I probably should have tweaked that maybe there was something up with it. Well, you still wouldn't have found out it was Elizabeth, no? I mean, it would have been a stretch to uh, to think that, but... It might have sent me on the right lines. Yeah, might maybe, maybe, who knows? We'll never know, Michael. You missed it. Sliding doors moment, this. Uh, John Dolan wants to know, the show's popularity has increased tremendously and its viewers are encouraged to be overly engaged in all the details. Have you noticed that in personal ways, like walking down the street or people bothering you for information when you're trying to eat lunch? Uh, Bother me for information, not so much, because no one really wants to know who the mole is, because that would take away all their fun. Uh, But people tend to stare and to see what I put in my caddy in the supermarket. Um, that happens, yeah, and and um, people want selfies a little bit less in COVID times, of course. But all of that uh, just means this program is so popular. So I'm I'm really not complaining. Um, I, I don't like it very much because I'm quite a private person outside of my work. So uh, it means that people love your show, and and you should take it, and I do, as a compliment. Is it difficult to maintain a poker face when no. people are trying to read you? <laughs> no, not at all. No, no, you can throw. Anything you want at me, I've never even come close to uh, 
divulging details I shouldn't be divulging. So no, this is like second nature to me. It's it's easy, and I I find great pleasure in doing it, uh, in in setting people on the wrong foot and and in in uh, you know confuse people. I absolutely adore it. It's a way of being for me. <laughs> I must admit, when I was putting the questions together from everyone sending them in, I'm like, yeah, he's not going to answer that one. He's 100% not going to answer that one. He'll evade that one. I'm just not going to ask it. You know, it's what I do, basically. It's what I do. But, but um, you know, after a series, I can answer most questions. There are some, some kitchen secrets we like to keep to ourselves, you know, to be, to be able to, to surprise people in the future. But those are not really special things. It's just little little trade secrets we, we, uh, we want to keep to ourselves. But most of the uh, the questions people ask me, I'm able to uh, uh, to give some answers after the show is aired. The main ones are things like, what's the consequence of opening Pandora's box in Greece? Where I'm like, it's just not going to answer that one. Well, they haven't been used, if you want to know. They have not been used. So they're still in our trick book uh, and maybe we'll uh, sort them out later. Maybe we'll change them, tweak them, use them. I don't know. It's just, it's too good an idea to give up and never use again. So uh, it's probably sooner or later we'll be uh, coming across our path again is the moles reveal rehearsed i'm assuming it is it is yes uh absolutely yeah of course but um very shortly because it's it's not a long rehearsal because uh it needs to happen very fast so um i mean the shots of the curtains are taken before because in this case because there's no one behind it but you just need to close from the shots but everything that had leonard in it we shot it in one straight take, and I think maybe we let him walk on stage once more just to have a little extra footage. But that's enough. You don't want to overburden these three finalists at that point with extra shots. So we tend to, you know, keep it very uh, fast and, and short. He didn't even have wardrobe until that same day either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm so happy he wore a suit in the end because it's, it, you know, he, he looked great in it, and it's even cooler to see a guy coming from behind the curtains in that suit. Did anyone um, take him aside right before the finale and go, you do realise you are actually going to have to dress up in some capacity for this finale, right? Yeah, I mean, it's Sven. Sven told him, I mean, you're in the finale now, you don't have a suit, you're a moron, let's go shopping. And then we, actually, we didn't really have the time, but we created an hour because it would be, we knew it was going to be hilarious to see Sven and Leonard shopping for a suit. But it's that little accent Again, that makes Leonard maybe a little unsuspicious uh, in the eye of the beholder. So to us, it was a great idea. But his excuse is that, you know, two weeks before departure, we sent out the email to all uh, candidates. We're leaving in two weeks. This is your packing list. This is what you need. You need clothes for this and that. You need a food toothbrush, you know, uh, like just what you need. And in the event you get to the finale, try to have a suit or a beautiful dress you would like to shine in. And of course, he didn't have a suit at home, Leonard, but he, he, he was too afraid to go out and buy a suit because then his mom or his girlfriend would ask him, why did you buy a suit? And he didn't want to run that risk that way he left without a suit. It'd be funny to have them all revealed there in a t-shirt and shorts. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm glad he did show up in a suit eventually. I just love the visual of Leonard basically being wheeled in on an armchair of some description, just kind of watching TV, just chilling. You know, that would probably have been pretty uh, spot on, you know, knowing the guy. We could have probably done that with him. Well, you had the shoplifting challenge in Greece. The final challenge for this season could have just been Leonard having a shoplift suit from one of the German boutiques. 
Yeah, I don't think the Germans would have liked that very much. I mean, this this was it was difficult enough to to pull off in Greece, so the Germans would have said, "No, thank you, we don't like that." <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I love every German life uh, on the face of the earth. They were absolutely nice to us and great. So I'm sorry if I just did a very bad impression of a German store owner. <laughs> did you have to approach many shops before a store manager was willing to say yes to have? people come in and try to shoplift? I don't remember. I think it was difficult, yeah, because they didn't understand the game we were playing. But why do you want to steal things and then pay for them? Is this a test? And so they, they, It took some persuasion, but I don't remember how much shops said it. Uh, I just know it wasn't that easy to find. Nick wanted to know whether it took much persuasion to get Sven in a wedding dress. No, none whatsoever. This is something you should you cannot know if you're a non-Belgian. He is uh, born and bred in Aalst, this small town in, in uh, Flanders. They have a UNESCO World Heritage Carnival in Aalst, and it means the world to that whole city. So everyone dresses up at least once a year, and they, I mean, he to to him a wedding dress and uh, and inline skates. It's like Saturday evening, so it's okay. We didn't didn't take much convincing, no. Was it deliberate that Sven was chosen for that challenge? Or was it just kind of look at the draw with where he was? Uh, no, I, I don't think it's deliberate. There was, it, well, of course, it wouldn't be on a lot because it's funnier if it were a man. But they, they kind of decided on the order themselves. I asked them on the phone, which order you want to do it in? And I think uh, Philip came first and then Lenny second. I don't remember. But, uh, but, Probably it was written, especially for him, because it was not going to bother him in the slightest. I can think of people who wouldn't want to do that uh, because it's too ridiculous. So, uh, yeah. But, you know, the, the, the little challenges, they, they just had to be uh, ridiculous and, and absurd and, and difficult to explain. They didn't have to be difficult. So they were all as equally easy or difficult uh, as you would have made them. It, the, the idea was they should get their Passfrag. And the game is played in the the story below, uh, where where it's about uh, trying to make the others uh, pronounce the three words. The visual of Sven coming into the room with a wedding dress and roller skates on, I think, will stay with me for a while. It made me laugh a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that was the intention, yeah. <laughs> Has anyone contestant-wise ever found it difficult to adjust coming back? Yes, absolutely. And that's perfectly understandable because in the ideal event, they spend three weeks with us and then they come back and they cannot tell a single soul about it. Perhaps their spouses or their girlfriends or, or, or uh, husbands, but you cannot tell anyone you have had this epic, momentous journey with all weird kinds of, of adventures because it has to remain a secret up until the point we reveal who the candidates are. So it's very hard on most of them. The, the first couple of weeks are just, you know, back to reality, and, and that's hard. And um, But we they're in touch with us all the time, so they can always call us. I always give my number to, uh, to uh, the contestants, so if, if they need anything, they can call me or any number of my colleagues, I think at 10 persons, something like that, uh, they can contact any time. So we, uh, we try to be mindful of that, but it's, it's not easy, and I can understand that. I mean, I'm not at all surprised by that answer, given the sort of love that you can feel coming from the show, that it's a very supportive team. Yeah, it's supportive because, you know, they make our show. If we have a bad cast, if we treat them badly, uh, they will give us a bad show. It's as simple as that. But 
Also, if we select you for the mole, if you are told you're uh, coming with us, it means we absolutely love you. It means we all fell in love with you and, and, and we wanted you to come on this trip. So, so uh, it goes both ways, you know. Uh, we love them for what they do and they love us right back for giving them this uh, opportunity. And I think the care we show one another is, is testament to how much we love the show. Um, and, and, and we're all people cut from the same wood. Well, I guess it kind of goes similar with the audition tapes. What's the strangest audition tape you've ever seen sent in? Are uh, you gonna need an explicit uh, warning on the podcast? That's I, fine. I think. I, 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 I mean, I'm not. I've not watched all of them, of course, because the the first selection is made by by others. But there are some really, really weird things people on on what I can only assume to be sex swings, the magic tricks is something a lot of people do, and it's always very funny. But it doesn't mean it gets you in the show because we prefer that you have a very ugly selfie video just talking to us. And, and um, we're not interested in showmanship or in a beautiful garden or in your dog or anything else. We just want to hear you talk. And if we like that, we'll invite you. But I was at work the other day and there, there are five or six people at this point watching the short videos and they laugh you know, every 10 minutes, I think. So I think they come across a lot of weird stuff. Yeah. I mean, you guys did let on somebody who was a fan of axolotls. Absolutely, yeah. But the way he explains it, I mean, and it's just a funny animal to watch. Uh, but, you know, it, this is a little quirk of Leonard, but of course we selected him because he's such a nice guy and he's just so fun and so nice to work with. But yeah, weirdos are welcome on the show as well. If, if you have a, a quirky little habit, it's only funny and, and great. And, and uh, the one thing I wish we could do easier is have more diversity but it's very 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 difficult to motivate people from you know different color or uh, religion or anything else to apply for the show it, it's still mainly a belgian flemish thing whereas i would like to have people from brussels and people you know uh, that have come from countries all over the world and and to have that that diversity that is part of all of our lives now to have that a little bit more in the show but that's still difficult yeah joey9221 on reddit wanted to know whether dutch people can apply yeah sure you stand just as much of a chance as any as any belgian uh there's no reason for us not to allow uh dutch people yeah so go ahead i'm sure that will make a lot of people very very happy to hear that answer <laughs> yes of course one of the basic things is you have to be able to speak dutch because I know your next question is going to be are people from Great Manchester area alive as well? <laughs> I know full well that that I would absolutely fudge it. I'm much happier just kind of sitting here bitching about people. Yeah, well, it's it's it's, it's a very funny thing to do as well. I mean, don't get me wrong. If UK Mole ever came back, I would be on it like a rash. I would be immediately applying. But I know my limits here. I'm not under any illusions. <laughs> Dan Peake says, "I love your sense of humour." Just how much did you enjoy the self-narrating bomb eating challenge in episode four? It sounded like you enjoyed it immensely. Yes, I did. Absolutely. It was it was one of the funniest things to do in, in six seasons. Especially when Samina gets gets it again in the reunion. Yeah, of course. I couldn't resist. But I, it was a joke that was writing itself. And, and her reaction was so lame. And, and I mean, she laughs at it afterwards. Afterwards, we laughed at it. And, and she... she she was. She realizes it. It's a futile attempt to save a skin, but you know it's not an easy uh, one because you had to explain that game to them uh, and all the intricacies of it. And that there were quite some intricacies of it, so it wasn't easy. 
do it. So I had a couple of sentences that I had written that we had re- really uh, well thought of to, to, you know, to in one sentence capture the essence of the game to make them play it. But there's a lot of improvising and I have had a lot of fun doing it. Absolutely. Were there any instructions that got cut for time? Oh, yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, I, the thing with a, a challenge like that, you have to try a lot to uh, to have a, a couple of funny moments. So I have tried some things in the beginning just to make them comfortable with this weird godlike voice who's basically laughing at them. So I've tried a couple of things and, and, and some have worked, some haven't. But then in the end, you have to withdraw a little bit because the game gets played and it uh, gets precedence. Of course, it's much more important to have that game played with the bomb than uh, have the weird god uh, laughing at them. So, uh, yeah, some 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 bits got edited out. Yeah. Is that one of the benefits, I guess, of filming during COVID is that you're able to ex- experiment with a challenge like that? Where you get to have the the, the god narration through <laughs> in a couple of the challenges. Well, the god narration didn't have anything to do with COVID. It, it we would have done it in a normal season as well, because it's just so funny, because they don't expect it, and because it's like breaking the fourth wall of, of TV. It's like acknowledging that TV is a very constructed uh, medium in which a voice, uh, which has been read or or spoken afterwards, tells you what's happening. And suddenly it's live. That was the idea we wanted to play with. It didn't have anything to do with COVID as well. But, you know, to us, COVID was only a pest because we had to wear masks and keep our distance. And I couldn't cuddle any of them uh, when they got uh, executed. And we had to drive separately and we had to sleep in different hotels and we had to keep our distance on the set and and disinfectant everywhere uh, every day and a test uh, every three days, I think it was. Um, so we, we hated it. And so it didn't inspire us very much. It worked against us. And we're very happy to have overcome it, actually. As I said earlier, I don't think you could actually really tell it was done in, in COVID times unless you, you looked carefully. And obviously, from your point of view, it's it's disappointing. You can't console people as they're getting executed or whatever. But even with the, the reunions, it was just nice to see everyone in, in the same place for this year's reunion. It is. It is because last year we couldn't do it because it, it was the midst of the first wave and and you know people really really signed at home and and you couldn't you know you couldn't come out of your door. So uh, so no, we were happy as well. But it's still way better when they can all touch each other and then take them take them into their arms and th- this is a uh, much more fun to look at. It's it's much more fun to see people embracing and, and cuddling than, than it is to not see that. But, you know, that's just the reality we live in for the moment. And hopefully next year we're, we'll be rid of it. Is 18 the youngest for the contestant can be for them all? Is 18 the, the bottom line? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think you need to be 18 years old because there's money to be won. And uh, the, um, the law is that, you know, in order to win money, you have to be... Uh, 18 years old or older so yeah we, we couldn't take anyone from 16 70 but i don't think it would be a very wise idea uh i think eight, 18 is really the youngest we can go yeah especially with the how mentally taxing and exhausting it would be during and afterwards too yeah absolutely and i think and noah didn't show any strain because he took it greatly and, and he's just a good guy and, and he's very mature for his age but you know if if you're unlucky you, you get someone who isn't that stable and, you know, I don't know about you guys, but when I was 16, 17, I sure as hell wouldn't have 
coped very well with the pressure that that comes with the uh, uh, mole participation. Oh no, I I hundred percent wouldn't. I mean, I've lost twice on on game shows, and it still crushes me now three years later. Yeah, let it go, man. I do need to get over it at some point, but not yet. I still go to bed crying every night about it. That's so sad. I hosted a mole game at my house when I was sixteen, but that was it. <laughs> well, that's the best. I mean, you, you cannot go any higher than that. Hosting this show is the best you can hope for in this life. I mean, it's the best I could hope for, and I got it, so I'm very happy. Have you got anything else, Logan? I think we covered on... We just naturally hit on a bunch of the questions, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> I've not got many uncrossed questions on my list now. I have one final question, you see, which um, which is definitely going to be the end, I think. How do we get a Vrystelling Pass Frog or one of the Mole Sweaters? Uh, the Mole Sweaters are available online, I think. We can't send them to the UK. That's the problem. <laughs> so then I would have to consult with Lise, who is our press uh, attaché, who you know. She would probably be able to uh, to fix it. I don't know. And the, 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 the wooden chips that are Vrestelingen and Passfragen, if you really want, I can. I, we, we have loads of them back uh, at Oostheim, so I could set some aside. But probably I should hold, it, hold off on this until we see you next year at the finale and then give you that. Uh, end of sweater as a gift at that moment. Deal. Cool. <laughs> Can definitely do that. Actually, there was one question I don't think that we touched upon. You guys have now had two ties for the final quiz in yeah. six seasons. Are you still still happy with the how, how the tie was broken? Like for our next finale, instead of doing 30 questions, would there be 40 questions to avoid any sort of tie scenario? The tie doesn't really matter because uh, as a viewer, you're only informed afterwards because it doesn't really add to the tension you already have. But to them, it is extreme tension and then you really get the deserved winner. Whoever gets to cope with that pressure at that precise moment, when I come on stage and I tell them, you guys are deadlocked, the terror in these eyes is immeasurable. So these 10 extra questions, them uh, on that same computer who is drenched in sweat, uh, but And you know the time is running this time, because that's the difference, of course. Uh, it gives you all the closures you need. So to me, it's it's a perfectly acceptable way of breaking the tie. Is there anything that you would want anyone listening to know, Joe? Uh, no. and um, I mean, I think we've covered pretty much all of it. And um, only that I'm, again, that I'm grateful for everyone tuning in to the show and, and being so uh, thrilled about it. It's the greatest gift you can give us and you keep delivering it every year so to us it gives us uh, you know all the fuel we need to be starting on the next one which we are i mean i'm gonna take some time off now but afterwards i will dive in headfirst to make uh, next season at least as memorable as this one so you got a green screen then i might hope so yeah <laughs> no orange screen this time no no orange screen no no <laughs> i don't think anyone Either me or Logan or anyone listening would have any doubt that you're gonna you're gonna try and make next season at least as good as this one was because this was a really good season. Well, thank you very much. That's our aim to uh, to do that again. Absolutely. I say this every single year, but I don't think you've had a bad season in six. Uh, no, I don't think so uh, too. And 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 this is not being being uh, arrogant, but but it's a very very difficult thing to attain after six seasons. Being able to say not one of them stood out in the negative way is again is a testament to how hard we think about everything and and how we cover every possible exit and how we think things through and how hard we work and 
it's just that there's no real secret to it. It's just, you know, hard work and dedication and, and love for the show, for this specific brilliant format. Uh, and I hope to I hope to never make the season that people are going to call superfluous or, or the season too much, because that would be my biggest nightmare, to be delivering a season that is not up to standard, but we will not let that happen it's just we don't have that in us so it's probably not going to happen but i still we were very mindful of that yeah it feels like i'm blowing smoke every single time i say this every single season but it is the highlight of our year every single time we get to cover it well that's a huge compliment yeah we think of all the other shows that we've covered over well how long we've been have podcasting michael about seven and a half years and watching reality tv forever and thinking of all the other shows that have one or two bad seasons in the first six so it's truly impressive that you guys have been able to do six seasons now and never had like oh this season just didn't work out too well or oh it's too bad that this happened it's always it's always a plus material every time well thank you so so much that's it's the the one and only goal we have is to to you know have people say that and and or feel that and enjoy every uh, episode and every series as much as the next or the previous one. So we'll try to keep that up. No pressure. We're not putting any pressure on, but no, no, Logan no, no. might kill himself if you do a bad season next year. <laughs> Red screen. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you for listening all season to our Demol Virtue recaps. We'll be back on June thirtieth to begin covering Vista Mall Georgia. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram where we are RTV Warriors, or you can email us and contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan's on Twitter at Logsukwaki, and I'm MJ Harmstone. We'll see you soon. Peace out and just chill until the next Deplavery. Cheers, you guys. Stay tuned for scenes from our next episodes. Still to come this year on Reality TV Warriors. Logan, Anthony, and Michelle are all back. Good afternoon. Hello. Hello. I'm back. Woohoo. We cover Vistamol, Georgia. We were always going to start with Georgia because Georgia has probably the most jaw-dropping mole episode I think I have ever seen. Hunted UK Series 1. It's it's interesting, isn't it? Because even in Episode 1, he's the chief. But it's all about Sherlock and Blacks. Amazing Race 3 and Vista Mall, Oregon. Yeah, I assume if you're going to go to Oregon, that's not going to be like a last-minute decision. Like, oh, we're going to go to Oregon. There are highs. No way! <laughs> Lows. Like I don't, I don't have any major memories associated with her. Like I don't remember the storyline of her challenging what her role is supposed to be in a challenge. Say no, I want to be in that other group. I've changed my mind. I don't remember that whole subplot. And a whole lot more. Some will even lose their mind. <gasps> <laughs> Brilliant, Steve. Some may discover Logan's video collection. Leonardo DiCaprio bestiality scene, please. And some will just discover the wonder of Alche Goulson. I've said it before, I think it's a very understandable reaction when you're faced with Alche to be a little bit scared of her and just do what she wants is much easier. From June 30th, join us for a bumper year of podcasts on Reality TV Warriors, including our 400th episode in November. See you soon. It is a kink.
Steve! <gasps>